0: 630 Ched and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present The Show That Is Everything Oilers Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex Office Equipment Solutions North America Wide
1: Yeah, Digitex does that
0: D-I-G-I-T-E-X C-A On Oilers Radio 630 Ched.
2: Welcome back everybody Bob Stoffer joining you from uh, Chicago, Illinois Where tonight the Emerson Oilers started making six straight wins To start the season Edmonton and the Hawks tonight. This is the second hour of Oilers Now. Still to come, Troy Murray, one-on-one conversation with the longtime Hawks radio analyst and former Blackhawks player. We'll also hear from Jay Woodcroft, head coach of the Bakersfield Condors. Oilers Now is brought to you by Digitex. Don't spend your valuable time meeting with door-to-door sales reps. Digitex is your all-in-one convenient location at digitex.ca. Alberta's number one and owned and operated place to buy office technology and software you can reach us on a river Cree resort casino hotline 780-496-0063 you can text us at 630-630 we're on twitter as well at orders now you can tweet me personally bob underscore Stoffer and brendan at brendan escott brendan with two e's scott with two t's Guests on the show receive gift certificates to Japanese Village Steak and Seafood Cook ready at your table. Visit the Edmonton South downtown Northside and Sherwood Park location. Momentarily, we're going to go to an out-of-town scoreboard brought to you by our friends at Brent Ridge Ford in Wetasquin. Make sure you race down and go visit the folks at Brent Ridge Ford. Come be a part of the small-town atmosphere. Let them prove why cars cost less in Wetaski. Brent Ridge is the eight-time President's Diamond Award winner for customer satisfaction. Give them a call at one eight seven seven four seven seven three six seven three 877 477 3673 or visit brentridge.com. So, it's Columbus Day in the U.S., which means there's a bunch of games that are already started, and with an NHL update here is Brendan Escott. Yeah, the
3: Boston Bruins leading Anaheim 4-1, five minutes into the third period there, in the th- Ottawa and Minnesota remain scoreless there in the nation's capital. Uh, 5-4, Florida has taken the lead over New Jersey on the road. About 12 minutes left in that game. And the Blues, the defending Stanley Cup champions, up a pair of goals in Long Island with 11 and a half minutes remaining there. Just getting underway in Buffalo. Dallas and the Sabres are scoreless, Bob.
2: New Jersey Devils 0-3-2 in the season have blown a 4-1 lead. They trail 5-4 to Florida. All right, uh, let's get to a conversation. Full disclosure, we pre-taped this at Morning Skate today with one of the true great guys in the business, a St. Albert uh, area product that had a terrific NHL career, longtime radio analyst for the Blackhawks. Here's Troy Murray.
0: Troy, tell us about uh, this year's edition of the Chicago Blackhawks, and is it maybe tough to get a perspective on them given that they haven't played a lot of games
1: if you look at this team they you know They've played three games, but really they've only played two. They played uh, Two games over in Europe. They played a preseason game against Berlin against a German team and then played against uh, the Philadelphia Flyers for the season opener in Prague. Uh, obviously they lost that game, but really after and then basically a week in between that the season started when they played the San Jose Sharks here at the United Center and the first of seven in a row at home. So getting off to a good start is critical and, and um, that hasn't happened. And some of the things that crept into the game last year for the Blackhawks that were an issue uh, penalty killing and defensive play have been an issue in the first three games here, but there's a lot of optimism um, You know with adding certain players on the defensive side of it Oli mod a two-time cup uh, winner with the Pittsburgh Penguins brought in to stabilize the defensive side of it as was Calvin DeHaan Who played in his first game um, The other night against the Winnipeg Jets So hopefully with those two guys uh, on the but on the back end that the Blackhawks are going to be stronger in that area Defensively once they tighten up what they need to do structurally up front you've got the usual suspects, you got Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane both coming off career years and Alex Dobrynkit, second year in the NHL, scoring 41 goals. So a lot of good things up front happening as far as their offensive ability. Those players have to match or come close to matching those numbers uh, that they did last year if this team wants to get into the postseason couple new faces. Um, I, I think a lot of people are going to find out who Dominic Kubelik is. He's a really good player. He's 24 years of age, uh, a Czech player that was drafted by the LA Kings but never got a chance there. Uh, Blackhawks picked him up in a trade last year and he's been very impressive this season. Um, and Alex Nylander from the uh, Buffalo Sabres first round draft pick is going to get an opportunity. He was a healthy scratch last game but looks like he's going to be back in the lineup tonight.
0: All right. Well, you mentioned shoring up the defense and They also went out and got themselves another goaltender, uh, you know, in in Robin Lehner, uh, who played the other night. Looks like we're going to get Crawford tonight, but uh, just uh, maybe a thought on, on, uh, Cam Ward was here last year. Lehner had a a massive step forward, really, you know, Bill Masterton trophy winner, won the William Jennings as well. Uh, This is, I mean, the orders have gone basically with a split rotation so far. Is this still primarily Corey Crawford's job, or are we looking at a split rotation here too?
1: (sighs) We'll find that out as we go further down along the season, but uh, Jeremy has talked about that the play of the goaltenders will dictate really who gets the starts. Um, You know, Corey's the incumbent, so he's going to get the the opportunity. He hasn't played poorly yet. I thought Robin Leonard, who came in and played against Winnipeg, was really good uh, in that game. for the first time in a long time, Bob, what happened with the Blackhawks is, is they actually had some cap space yeah. um, this summer. So when Robin Leonard didn't re-sign with the New York Islanders, which was maybe a little bit of a surprise after having such a great season with uh, them last year, um, he was available. And with Corey Crawford's health condition here the last couple seasons, Colin Delia, who uh, is a very good young goaltender and uh, you know I think will have a great NHL career, it, he would have been the backup if they didn't sign Robin Leonard. And I think that they felt a little bit uncomfortable with his inexperience. And then there's really not a a lot of experience behind uh, Colin. Last year, he played extremely well. Cam Ward played really well last year for the Blackhawks, even though his numbers didn't show it. What was going on in front of the goaltenders was really the issue, not the play of the goaltenders themselves. So if you equate uh, Corey Crawford and Robin Leonard uh, to baseball, What Stan Bowman and the Blackhawks are looking for is basically 82 quality starts. And I think if Corey stays healthy, which he has been um, for a long time now, and he looks in good shape and and he's uh, back to his old self, I think the Blackhawks maybe have the best one-two goaltending in the National Hockey League. Um, And that's something that they're gonna have to have because even though they missed the playoffs last year, they were only six points out, a little bit of a um, missed opportunity late in the season. But if you factor in both Corey and Robin being healthy, maybe you pick up five, six goaltender wins in the equation and then you put yourself right in
0: that mix for you know the, the playoff spot. We're joined right now by Troy Murray, former Chicago Blackhawks player, long time Blackhawks radio analyst Bob Stauffer joining you on Oilers now try the Hawks made a subtle deal last year midway through the year and I don't know if everybody thought it was going to work out quite the way it worked out but it worked out in a big way and they ended up getting Dylan Stroman a trade for Nick Schmaltz now Dylan's a restricted free agent analyst here but he had 51 points last year in Chicago sometimes a change of uh, place is good for a guy and clearly that was the case of Stroman.
1: <laughs> Hard to figure out why Dylan wasn't successful in Arizona. Um but he's a former third overall pick, and, and you know, you've know you got a lot of high-end skill if you're going to be drafted at that number. So um, the Blackhawks felt that things were a little stagnant last year. They had already fired uh, the head coach, Joel Quenville, who was an icon here and um, you know ran three Stanley Cup championships through the city. But they felt that they needed to make a change, and they also felt that they needed to make a change in the, the personnel on the ice. And uh, Nick Schmaltz is a great young player, and he's going to be uh, an excellent player for Arizona for a lot of years but they felt that if they made that adjustment maybe that it would be a fresh opportunity for Dylan Strom to come in to a different organization and excel. One of his best friends uh, on the ice and, and off the ice is Alex DeBrincat, so uh, that chemistry that they had with Erie in the Ontario Hockey League certainly came back to, to play last year. And you know, for for what you mentioned, 51 points in the 58 games he played uh, here last year, there's a lot of pressure on him to match those numbers. And last year the Blackhawks had Artem Anisimov, so down the middle they had kind of one, two, three, and Anisimov, um, who was traded to uh, the Ottawa Senators. In the offseason, he was a guy that could match up against the other team's top lines. And so now Dylan Strom's going to find himself in a little bit of a, a different situation. You basically have Jonathan Taves and Dylan Strome and then David Camp uh, and Ryan Carpenter who was picked up this summer in a trade with the, uh, or signed as a free agent. But, if, you know, for Dylan, he's going to get the big matchups now. He's either going to get a, a shutdown matchup because a lot of times he'll be playing with Patrick Kane um or he's going to get a head-to-head matchup against one of the other team's top lines, So there's going to be a different added pressure on him where he had a little bit of comfort in Anisimov last year. So it's going to be interesting to see how he does this year. And again, the Blackhawks need Dylan Strome to have the same type of numbers that he had last year if this team wants to get back into the postseason.
0: Did you have Eric Gustafson with 60 points last year? Probably quite a 60-point defenseman in the NHL.
1: Eric Gustafson didn't have Eric Gustafson scoring 60 points last year. He just said it a little while ago that he had 17 goals last year, 43 assists, an amazing breakout season for him. But he said he's never had 17 goals in a season. Uh, off to a little bit of a slow start compared to what he had last year numbers-wise, but uh, he's very dynamic, dynamic offensively. He's running the power play, uh, the first power play unit for the Blackhawks. So. You know, again, if you look at the team last year where Taves and Kane, Dabrinkit, all had great seasons. Dylan Strome had a great season. Eric Gustafson on the on the blue line had a great season. And yet they didn't make the playoffs. So it, you you got to factor in some other uh, pieces into the equation. But Gustafson, again, you know, he's got to add those offensive numbers. He still needs to work on his defensive side of the game. And, and last game they actually split up Duncan Keith uh, and him because they felt that they were going to try and play up a little bit of a matchup and put Connor Murphy up there to play against. Winnipeg's top line.
0: uh, A number of years ago, in 2011, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins was the number one pick for the Edmonton Oilers and he had a terrific start to his NHL career and was amongst the top ten scorers for much of the first half of the season. But we kept hearing with the Winnipeg organization that they had a guy, Mark Scheifele, a big right-handed shooting centerman that maybe long term might have a higher offensive upside than even Nugent Hopkins. Now, in Edmonton's case, McDavid and Dreisaitl came in and changed the complexion for Nugent Hopkins as well, but where I'm going with this is Jack Hughes, you know, and, and he might have a higher ceiling than Nugent Hopkins, time will tell on that front, but he's been held off the scoreboard through five games. Jack Hughes and Kirby Dock. And Kirby Dock's obviously got the Edmonton connection with Fort Saskatchewan. Big right-handed shooting centerman. Uh, I know he had a concussion late in... Pre-season. Uh, what's what's your thoughts on what you saw to Kirby, and where do you see things going moving forward?
1: Well, uh, unfortunately for Kirby, um, the Blackhawks played in the, in the prospect tournament in tra- pos- and Travis uh-huh. City, um, and he got uh, a concussion in that, so he didn't participate in, in any of the preseason games and basically didn't practice with any of the main groups during preseason. He was sent down to Rockford on a conditioning stint and actually played his first pro game uh, on Saturday night uh, against the Grand Rapids Griffins. But, you know, you, you look at Ryan Nugent Hopkins and and, and you look at a guy like uh, Jack Hughes, smaller players when they came in. I mean, Kirby Doc has NHL size right off the bat. He's 6'4", 200 pounds. Um, so that's not an issue. You know, he's, he's a mature young man. Um, and from what everybody says, while he was in that prospect tournament, um, he was the best player in the tournament by far. And you, when you compare him to... A guy
0: like Ryan Getzlaf,
1: maybe not as gritty as Ryan Getzlaff, but maybe higher skilled than Ryan Getzlaf. That's 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 some um, yeah. pretty
0: I Hawks lucked see, out moving as high as they did up. In that oh, game.
1: there's no doubt, and they know it. I mean, that is a you know it's a game changer, and for for Kirby and for the Blackhawks, I I think that they were really going to give him a good look this season uh, to see maybe that if he could fill in one of the top three center positions, uh, he's going to get an opportunity to play some of the games in the American Hockey League and try and get uh, you know a little bit of an adjustment from uh, the Western Hockey. League to the American League and then maybe make that step up to uh, the, the pro league here at the NHL level. Uh, but he's a great prospect. He's a good kid. He works hard. He wants to be one of the best players on the ice when he's out there. And the last few days that he was able to practice at full speed with the team certainly didn't look out of place.
0: You know, Troy, we like to have a little bit of fun with you. You're a, a St. Albert legend. Uh, is that a fair assessment? Uh, probably. Uh, we have another. Le- we have another legend. In, in, my, th- own there you go. in we, my own mind. We have another legend in the building tonight. Uh, Wayne Gretzky's been with the team in New York and, and Chicago and uh, you know you played on some pretty good Hawks teams the problem is you played on some pretty good Hawks teams <laughs> with the 80s winners are around what do you you talked about you know facing one of those two centers so from like 84 to 88 when uh, it was pick your poison uh, Gretzky or Messier what do you recall of we'll matching up against those teams
1: I, I went through therapy for a lot of years to block out those, those memories. Um, you know, I, I obviously I, I have a great admiration for Mark. We played together in St. Albert, uh, his father Doug was our coach back then. Um, you know, just one of the best players to ever lace him up in the NHL. His leadership qualities, his ability to, to change the game in so many different ways, physically uh, Skill-wise, uh, and I think Mark had as good a read on the game as, as any player that's ever played it He knew when he needed to step up He knew when the physicality was something that he needed to do when he because he was such a big guy uh, He was able to do that uh, and then playing against Wayne I mean, what do you say about Wayne other than the greatest player? Maybe the you know in the history of the game so hard to to decide what was more dangerous for the Oilers and then throw in the mix it. And the one thing that Glenn Sather ever did, and everybody knows this, their support group was just was unbelievable. From the, the Lumleys to the Hunters to the Kevin McClellans to David Semenko to Marty McSorley, they got how it was to play the game and and if you wanted to mess around with the Oilers skill-wise you were going to lose. If you wanted to mess around with them physically you're probably going to lose that battle too. So they could play it any way you wanted to play it and, and it was just amazing to watch those guys and unfortunately there was a lot of teams in the NHL back in those days that, that thought they had a pretty good team and had an opportunity to win the Stanley Cup except there was the Edmonton Oilers.
0: Uh, awesome stuff. Uh, one thing about Wade he's always a little bit self-deprecating about his own ability. Like, I wasn't that fast. I'm like, how come you never got caught in any breakaways? How come you got so many And I, I kind of look at it go, how many breakaways would you have gotten today with uh, the no center ice roll in effect, right? Like,
1: well, and, you know, and I forgot to throw Paul Coffey in the mix. There, yeah. I mean, you know, for a defenseman back in those days to be able to, to skate the puck like he did and, and make plays, I mean, maybe only Bobby Orr could kind of match what was going on in in, in that era or previous to that. Uh, it, it was amazing. And for Wayne, he's very humble. Uh, I've gotten to know him pretty well over the over the years. He's a very humble guy and, and um, doesn't really talk about his accomplishments. But I mean, it, you look at a guy like Patrick Kane. You know, too small. is not strong enough. Doesn't shoot the puck well. Patrick Kane doesn't get caught on a breakaway either. And it's just, it's just something when, when you go back and, and you watch it or you experience it when I played it, um, he, he was just phenomenal. And the great players have always seen the game at a different level. And Wayne saw it at a different level. He saw things out there that nobody else saw. And the only time that you could look at it and realize what he was thinking was when you looked at it on, on video. And you say, how did he see this guy on the other side of the ice when he had no idea? He never looked over there once. Um, but that's just the way that he played the game. And he's an amazing ambassador for the game. I, I love the guy. And uh, uh, for me, uh, here's a here's a real cool moment that we had uh, Um, in St. Louis. We're playing in the Winter Classic at Bush Stadium. They flew him in for that. And he came in and played. Um, And I was on the ice with him and we were laughing and joking. I I think I was minus five in that game as normally it was. And he had a hat trick and six points or whatever. I'm just kidding. But during the game We were sitting next to each other on the bench or, uh, you know, he was across from me on the bench and I go, hey Wayne, I says, one thing I never did when I played against you is I I never asked you for a stick. He says, is it possible to get a stick and he goes, you might as well have, you're always holding it. (laughs) So he gave me a stick, he signed it after the game and it's in my office, one of my most cherished cherished, uh, pieces in uh, in my office.
2: All right, that's our conversation with Troy Murray, uh, terrific guy, St. Albert product, longtime Chicago Blackhawks player and broadcaster. We're going to send it to break. When we come back, we're going to give you a bit of an NHL injury or update for our friends at James H. Brown, who, of course, are our injury lawyers. This is Orders Now
3: subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stopper on
2: 630 Chat. As promised, let's go to our injury report brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com Here's Brendan Escott.
3: Well, John Shannon alluded to it a little bit ago. Uh, Coyote's, Coyote's defenseman Nick Jarmelson will miss the next three months with a cracked fibula that he suffered blocking an Eric Johnson shot in Saturday's overtime loss to Colorado. On Long Island, Casey Sezikis placed on IR with an ankle injury. No timetable there for his return. Jordan Eberle also left their last game and will not play tomorrow against St. Louis. Uh, Sharks forward Marcus Sorensen, questionable for Wednesday's game against Carolina after missing the last three games with an upper body injury. Matt Zuccarello will be out at least three games with a lower body injury. The team saying that he suffered some, quote, bumps and bruises in the 7-4 loss to Pittsburgh on Saturday. Tongue and cheek, I will say that those things hurt much more when you are struggling the way he has out of the gates. Blackhawks have been lucky thus far with injuries. Just Kirby Dock on their injured reserve as he deals with concussion symptoms. And for the Oilers, nothing new to report. Just Adam Larson recovering from his fractured right fibula. Bob?
2: All right, let's head off at uh, 129 in Edmonton to a global news, weather, traffic update with Devin Horn, Jay Woodcroft, with an update from the farm when we come back.
3: Oilers now with Bob Stoffer weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio 6:30. Chad.